You're listening to Level Up on Mile High Sports. Mario Vitanzi and Van Albright bring the fire to you all day and all night. We dare you to find a better show on the station. Hell, a better show in this nation every Saturday. From noon to two, tune into Mile High Sports, that's what you gotta do. You'll hit level up and it'll change your life. Genius so thick, you can't cut it with a knife. The best looking two hours on the radio, bro. There is just no reason not to listen to the show. Nolan Lee's runs the board, he should win an award. It's a show if they charge Donald Trump could not afford. Stop making excuses, you have no more time to blow. Go to soundcloud.com slash level. Up show. Now Mario and Ben are gonna blow your mind, so sit back, relax, hope you enjoyed this rhyme. Welcome into your one and only Denver Broncos exclusive podcast. Well, maybe not your one and only, but certainly the best. I don't think anybody would argue with that. Should be their one and only. If not, it would be what their their mistress. We don't want to be the side piece. No, no, we are. Yeah, we've got to be the one and only. Right. You're put, you put a ring on this. If you're listening to other Denver Broncos podcasts, you need to stop wasting your time because you're just simply not going to get from them what you're going to get from us. Just trust me on this one. Or, or don't trust us and listen and then come back. Crawling back with Baby flowers. Come back. Yeah, that's what we need right now. Some player. We actually like uh, we actually like tulips. So when you do come crawling back to us, you know, right. just, just keep that in mind. Or lady fingers. Either one. nice too. And those are the only kind of flowers I know, Ben. So let's get into it. <laughs> my name's Mario Vitanzi. To my right, Mr. Benjamin Albright, because he's all bright, all right, all the time. Oh, right, all right, all right. You can hear us Saturdays noon to two on the Mile High Sports Radio Network. I guess it's not a network. Well, it kind of is. It yeah, is it now. Is. You're welcome. Tune in MileHighSports.com. Listen live around the world. It's noon to 2 Colorado time. You can also go to SoundCloud.com slash show to hear any of our previous shows in their entirety. Probably one of the only radio shows that bring you that. I mean, we, we bring you so much good stuff. You're so welcome. It's, it's like we put it out there on a silver freaking platter. On a silver freaking platter, for goodness sakes. All right. Enough time wasted with pleasantries. You want to hear about Broncos? We are going to talk about Broncos 34. Four to nothing. I was gonna. Man. I was actually gonna go over all of the Forty uh, ers touchdowns really quick. Let's get that out of the way. Go now ahead. that we're done there, let's. Uh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't want to put too much stake in a preseason, and it's like, well, it's preseason. Don't make a big deal about it. It's preseason. No one really cares. It's preseason. Well, the Broncos acted like they didn't care about a preseason game last year. Then uh, they played that same team. Uh, in the playoffs, I don't know if you remember this, Ben, and the score is just about the same. I and that was their second preseason game, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes, I I am slightly familiar with the uh, with said said team. So basically, uh, the Broncos are going to beat the Forty ers thirty four ish to nothing ish in the Super Bowl. This is an exact scientific predictor, <laughs> uh... and that uh, that folks is a guarantee. You can. Uh, <laughs> Bet your mortgage on that one. Speaking of guarantees, oh, we don't have that drop right now because we we're... don't. Yeah, <laughs> if you're if you're familiar with our show, um, I've been known to make some outlandish guarantees. Most recently, I had uh, guaranteed that Tiger Woods has done cocaine, and we're not going to get into that. I know that that's just a whole other crazy thing. If you want to hear about it, just just go on to SoundCloud.com/slash/LevelUpShow. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to get into it quite yet. But I mean, could you ask? For more from anybody, Ben. 
I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to nitpick here. Obviously, you know I'm not a Ronnie Hillman fan. I thought he looked average, adequate. He was aggressively mediocre, which means he was much better than I've been giving him credit for. Right, that, that is a vast improvement for Ronnie Hillman. In, in, exactly. He looked competent, which is the best he's ever looked. And I know that was painful for you to say, too, uh, you know, given your disposition towards uh, Mr. Hillman. It is, it's difficult for me to say anything remotely positive about him, but um, I guess I did not hate the way that he played. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. He didn't wow me. His long run, I think he had a run of nine yards. It was a nice little one. He followed his blocks. But even on mm-hmm. that one, it was all the offensive line. Right. And if he had been a little bit more patient, let the hole open up, instead of running into the back of his blockers, he could have turned it into like a 20-yard gain. He could have taken it to the house. And that's that's the reason that he bothers me so much, Ben. I know that he is by far the fastest running back on this team. I know that he's probably the best receiving back on this team, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. And that is where I would like to see him used more often. You know, if you're going to throw the ball to a back, I would like it to be Ron, uh, Ronnie Hillman because he can do a lot of great things in space. But running between the tackles, he, he just can't do it. He's just not that back. He reminds me of what we saw from Noshan Moreno two years ago. Right. Where like you saw like these little spouts of not greatness, but you know, above average competency. But he ran himself out of his own shoes. He would run into blocks. He wouldn't give him time to set up. And then last year when Noshan had his career year, I mean, he was the same guy. He just was a little bit more patient. So that's what I would like to see out of Ronnie Hillman. Right. Um, everything you saw out of Peyton Manning, obviously 10 of 13, 105 yards, a touchdown, 125.5 rating. Like It's the preseason, and he, he just looks like he's ready. He looks like he's so bored with the preseason. I mean, it's, it's Peyton Manning. You know he's going to be ready. You know he's going to be that guy. <clears throat> I think what uh, out of the quarterbacks, I think the thing that maybe surprised me the most um, watching that game was how good Brock Osweiler looked. That was the first time I've ever said, "Well done, sir." And that's yeah, yeah and that's what I was going to say because you're not a huge Osweiler fan. Not that you disdain him the way that I do with Ronnie Hillman, but you're just not sold on him. Right, right. I, I just don't think he's you know the future. He's got some things he needs to work out still after having been in the league. The good news is he came into the league so young. He's just now 23 years old, and he's just now uh, at that age where you know you need to be starting or you need to be getting out the league. So yeah, exactly. And let me give you a stat here, and maybe I put too much stake into this, but this is something that I really love to see. Demarius Thomas five targets, five receptions. Julius Thomas three targets, three receptions. Cody Latimer one target, one reception. Jacob Tammy, two targets, two receptions. So that's telling me, and you know, and those are mostly the starters, guys that will be getting playtime. That means that when the ball is getting thrown their way, whether it's because Manning's putting it on the money, whether it's because Osweiler's putting it on the money, or whether they're making a play, it's getting done. They are throwing them the ball and they are making the catch. I think it's a combination of both, and there's no better microcosm of that than the touchdown pass from Osweiler to Latimer. It was a beautifully thrown ball that was put where only the receiver would have a chance to make a play on it, and then Cody Latimer turned on the Jets, laid out there, and went and got the football and, and, and hit the touchdown, and that was kind of a microcosm of the game, I think. It was perfectly thrown balls, perfectly executed receptions. Yeah, you're exactly right, and when I asked you earlier, you know, if there was anybody that you know, really could have done any better. That's kind of what I'm talking about because the people that we had put on blast previously, you know, namely Ronnie Hillman, uh, Roby, and uh, Latimer, 
you know, they're, you know, three young kids, two rookies, uh, not really fighting to make the team. They will make the team, but something that, you know, you'd like to see more of. I mean, football is a sport. It's You're not necessarily as strong as your weakest link in football, thankfully, but obviously you'd like to shore up any sort of weaknesses you have. And those three guys in particular, now I know Latimer only caught the one pass, but as a rookie receiver, that's kind of what you're going to have to do. He's not going to be getting the ball thrown to him a whole hell of a lot. I mean, you got Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Wes Welker, Julius Thomas. There's no pressure on him. Right. So for Latimer, every once in a while, it's going to be, you know, go deep. You're a young, big, physical guy with speed. Just make it happen. And that's exactly what he did. So I love what I saw from him. Um, they weren't really trying Roby, which which I liked. You know, it, Ka- Kaepernick was staying away from him. I don't know if it was a pride thing. Because of, you know, keep to leave or I, I don't know. Maybe that's that's neither here nor there. But I liked I thought Roby showed great improvement. And as I said, Ronnie Hillman was not terrible. Yeah, um, you know, I agree with all that. Uh, and I think, you know, they, they, it's good for Latimer to get out there and get a touchdown like that. As a rookie uh, on a team that already has a plethora of weapons, he's going to be a guy that's, um, you know, that's going to have a limited route tree. He's only going to be out there for a couple of different types of routes and get out there and do that. It was good for him to get some confidence there. The only player that I saw that I, I would give a potentially negative performance to would be Lamin Barrow. Um, the rookie linebacker out of LSU, he kept getting washed out in the run game. Um, you know, he didn't stack and shed. He was he was getting washed out by the guards and tackles that were getting to the second level, and that's of concern. Of course, he did end up getting injured. Uh, we don't know how serious that is yet, but uh, um, you know that was of note, especially in a linebacking core that is already thinned with the loss of Trevathan, and we don't know when Von Miller is going to be back. So um, that part concerned me. The linebacking core is still you know a big red light flashing warning light to me but uh overall the rest of the court did good and brandon marshall really stepped up and did well um you know stepping into the starter shoes with the uh, the green sticker helmet and here's the only thing and i really liked what i saw out of brandon marshall but as far as outside linebackers are concerned i mean Lamont borrow goes down in my opinion borrow should not be playing over steve johnson right now and from an athletic standpoint i like johnson a lot more then I like Marshall. Marshall is fine. He's a good rotational guy to bring in, you know, anytime somebody needs a breather. Uh, not quite as quick as Steven Johnson. Pretty similar when it comes to pass coverage. But uh, Steve Johnson really makes his makes his case as a run stopper. You know, and a lot of the players that I talk to, namely Raheem Moore and Chris Harris, two of the leaders on that defense, mm-hmm. say, you know, if there's one thing that Steve Johnson does very, very well, it's stopping the run. And as we saw... You know, they obviously Frank Gore only got a couple carries. He averaged six yards a carry, got 12 yards on those two carries. So, and then, uh, you know, Carlos Hyde comes in. It looked like he was moving the pile, and the run game left a, you know, left a little to be desired. And I feel like a Steve Johnson in place of Brandon Marshall you know, it might eliminate some of those troubles, but that's just my opinion. That's it's very possible. Johnson has impressed him more and more. I've kept an eye on him because he's a guy you keep mentioning and, and, uh, you know, he is athletic. The only thing I see about Johnson is he's a little undersized. You know, you see that with a couple, you've seen that over the years with some Broncos linebackers with Wesley Woodyard and with the uh, Trevath and Nate Irving, you know, guys like that maybe a little undersized at times, but, um, he just looks a little short out there. And I don't know if that's a Del Rio thing. Cause Del Rio's always had a propensity for larger linebackers, maybe because he played linebacker. I don't know. But uh, that's the one thing, I guess, that maybe that's why he's kind of out there because he looks more athletic than the other guys. I mean, maybe not Miller or McCray, but some of these other guys, he does look more athletic than. Well, and from a size standpoint, honestly, I mean, I can tell you 
he is very, very solid. So while he may be undersized, you know, he's throwing around every single pound that he has and he's using it effectively. Well, I would say also from a height standpoint, I think he's barely six feet. It's less, <clears throat> less the, uh, um, uh, the weight factor of it. Cause if you're in the, you know, two twenties, that's a little light, but you get into the two thirty range, you're fine as a linebacker. But I think his height is where, uh, you know, he's barely six feet. I don't know what he's listed at, but I've seen, I've seen him, you know, and he's barely six feet. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but he, he's certainly making a case. I mean, he, he's a pretty, he's a lock to make the team. Obviously he's a great special so. teams player. He'll be able to play defense, you know, if he gets that opportunity. But, man, talk about making a case for yourself. Two straight weeks with an interception, half of a sack. Um, the forced fumble that Mitch Unrein had on Josh Johnson, he was wrapped up by Stevie Johnson. So it just seems like anytime there's a play to be made, yep. he has been around the ball. And that's what I like so much. That's why I just want to see him play with the ones, I mean, this next upcoming game against the Texans, you have the luxury of playing a team that's, they're not great, um, and you're going to be playing three quarters. So get Marshall in there, get Johnson in there, let them both get a lot of play time with the ones. I mean, the big problem that I have, and I, I know that it's it's difficult for us to say anything about it, but I just have a problem when certain guys don't get a chance with the ones and with the twos, so to speak. I mean, where... In, in what case has Brandon Marshall made where he deserves more playing time with the ones and the twos? Obviously, we don't see everything that goes on at practice, but everything that I've seen in the game has said, you need to give Steve Johnson more play time. Let him get with the ones. Reminds me of that season that uh, Tyran Matthew had with LSU where every time he was around the ball, a play was made, and we're seeing that from Steve this preseason. And, you know, yeah, I think that's deserving of, of giving a chance. There's, you know, having been around practices and things like that, there's something to be said. There's, there's practice players and there's game players, and ideally you want that to be both. The guy who does this in practice is going to translate to the field, but there's players that doesn't happen. I, I had the, the, you know, the joy of being around uh, Matt Jones pre-cocaine era, and Matt looked like one of the laziest people you would ever see on the practice field, but they you turn on the game and you couldn't catch the guy you just couldn't he was just too fast for you he was a and, gamer right and it's one of those things like he just it, it practices were, were just you know to kind of go through the motions for him to tune up for the games and you know he didn't turn it on but maybe 50 55 percent in practice but then when you know and that would get in trouble with the coaches but then you turn around and get him in the game and, and he was lights out and so you know there are players like that maybe maybe steve johnson is, is like that maybe he's one of those guys that coaches just don't see what they want to in practice but then he gets in the game and, and he t you know he turns it on so i'd like to see him run with the ones as well now, uh, a player that I want to ask you about, and someone that I actually got a lot of grief for on Twitter, was Tony Carter. And I, I let me let me state this right now: I have some of the dumbest Twitter followers, I think, among anybody. And I feel bad saying that. If I lose some of the followers, that's it is what it is, Ben. You know, I, I I'm not going to live and die by my followers. I sent out a tweet, a very simple tweet, where I said, "Roby looks a lot better this week than he did last week." And apparently that just triggered something in somebody else because one of my followers like, LOL, I bet you think Tony Carter is going to make this team, LOL. And I'm kind of sitting there like, okay, first off, I'm not sure what is warranting this, this sort of attitude from this individual that I don't even know, who is in fact a Broncos fan. And there's just like so much unrelenting, unnecessary hatred. It's like where 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 do you get off where you don't think Tony Carter, who is one of the most experienced cornerbacks on this team, by the way, he's been in the league. This is his sixth season. Where do you get off thinking that the fastest corner on the team 
that literally made the best play I saw on the defensive side of the ball the entire day. Uh, granted, it was from Blaine Gabbert, who's probably the worst quarterback in the history of you know quarterbacking. Football. Yeah, I exactly. You. I know. I know Gabbert's not not good. Yeah. But the bottom line is Tony Carter baited him, and if you look from that angle, it looks like I believe it was Ellington was the wide receiver, the rookie out of South Carolina, Bruce Ellington. It yes. looked like he was coming open along the seam, and Tony Carter just has that step, and he just jumped right in front of it. So when you see him throw the ball, like if you look from Gabbert's standpoint, it looked like it wasn't really a terrible decision, and I- and, and and Carter just. Popped right in front of it, and I, you know, I talked to Harris today, Chris Harris, and he said he's been doing that in practice all camp. He does; it seems like he does it every single day, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I don't know what it is." And there's just some players that don't get along with the defensive coordinator, don't get along with the head coach, and I'm not saying that that's what it is. It could be, it could not be, but anything that I've seen from Tony Carter, there's no reason for him not to make this team. And someone like Omar Bolden to make it. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I, there's something to be said for having the uh, the experience and the savvy like Carter did on on that play and having, having been around a while. Uh, I think he's the fifth corner on this team. I don't know why you keep Bolden around. Bolden's not going to see the field as a corner. You'd keep him as a special teams guy. Well, yeah, and if the only case that you're making for a player to be on the team is because he's a better special teamer than someone else, and that's all well and good. I mean, obviously, special teams is important. But then if said player is not as good as another guy at defense, then why in the world are you keeping him around? Oh, exactly. There's very few, especially in the modern NFL, you're not going to see primary special teams type players like you did uh, maybe even as, as, as recently as the 80s. Um, you know, guys like Bill Bates, you know, that were primary special teamers. Um, you know that made. Their yeah, career. I don't know who that is. So I'm just going to take your word on it. <laughs> Major uh, made their career on that. You don't see that much anymore. The, the, the roster's too small. Even with the expansion of the practice squad now to ten people, the roster of 53 people is too small. Just just taking the ones and twos, and the punter and the kicker, that's 24 of your roster right there. You know, so if you take the first and second string for each. Now you're up to 46 players. That only leaves seven spots people are fighting for. You know, that's just the first and second string and the punter kicker. That leaves seven spots. Yeah. So you can't just take a guy who's only a special teams contributor because what if you get a guy hurt? He, he can't get on the field. He has to go on the field and, and be productive and be next man up. And if he's not capable of that, that's putting your team in a bind. And exactly. And do you really want to fall back on the excuse where it's like, oh, well, he was a really good special teams player. I don't really want to hear that. Let's look at the uh, the San Francisco 49ers side of the ball. My goodness, what a terrible way to open up your brand new stadium. And I know it's preseason, but I mean, 49ers had pretty loyal fans. And I know that if the Broncos had gotten blown out 34 nothing when they opened up in Vesco Field in Mile High way back in the day before you know, it was owned by an actual sports company. <laughs> Fans would have been a little up in arms. And again, I know it's the preseason. We can't state that enough. And if I don't say it that much, then someone's going to give us grief and be like, I can't believe you're taking the preseason so seriously. Right. This is our job to talk about sports and to overanalyze. So that's what we're right. going to do. But everybody thought last season when the Broncos went into Seattle that it was no big deal. Turned out it was a pretty big deal. So, I don't know, and obviously that's a stretch. I don't know how many comparisons you want to draw. But as a 49ers fan, they looked terrible against, I think it was Baltimore, week one of the preseason. Right. They looked even worse, if that's possible, against the Broncos in week two. 
If you're a 49ers fan, and actually our board operator for Level Up is indeed a 49ers fan, so I would like to get his take on this. Are you a little bit worried? Uh, um, yes, you are worried about the quarterbacking position, definitely. Everything behind Colin Kaepernick, who is not as finished a product as is made out to be, is garbage. I mean, the best quarterback that I saw in that game yesterday after Kaepernick left was McLeod Bethel Thompson, the fourth stringer out of Sacramento State, who's been in the league three years and I think been with nine teams. I always love guys whose complete last names don't fit on the back of their jersey. Right, right. Those it's, are my favorites. My favorite, too. It's always great. The, the extended name tape, you know, you wonder, are they going to have a pull-down name tape? How does that work? But, back in the days of Tim B. Yakuba, <laughs> Oh, I love oh, that. Yeah. yeah, that was one of my favorite running backs. That was the, um, no, but well, McLeod Bethel Thompson was the only one who was able to effectively move the ball. Josh Johnson is only on that roster because Harbaugh coached him in college. That's the only reason he's on that roster. He's doing a favor. Blaine Gabbert was a massive overreach and an exercise in arrogance from a coach and GM who, who's got a reputation as a quarterback whisper and I think undeservedly so Jim Harbaugh hasn't done anything Colin Kaepernick had the same tools that he had coming out of Nevada as he has right now he's still a one-read quarterback with elite athleticism and arm Alex Smith was finally getting it to click before Harbaugh showed up the the season before he was highly efficient so and I think people forget that so he gets credit for this Alex Smith this Colin Kaepernick stuff and you know so he gets arrogant and thinks well I can turn Blaine Gabbard into something and he, he hasn't Blaine Gabbard is still terrible well and something that I think people that I've heard for some reason people think that they just picked him up that they just signed him. They no. traded. Right. They traded a six round draft pick for they, him. Yeah. They made a conscious effort to go out of their way and select Blaine Gabbard and say, what do we have to do to get him on our team? That happened. That's a reality, Ben. And that's a little troubling to me from an organizational standpoint because the way that Colin Kaepernick plays, it's not outrageous to think that he could very, very easily get hurt. He's one of these running quarterbacks you never know. Plus, it is the NFL. So obviously you never know what's going to happen. And you have a championship team, a team that has been to the NFC championship game three years in a row. Sometimes the backup quarterback position gets forgotten about, but man, you have the worst quarterback in the NFL as your backup. I mean, again, I'm worried if I'm a 49er fan and you know, your best offensive weapon is in my opinion, Frank Gore. He's a guy that I think uh, if he's not around last year, they win, they go nine and seven, maybe eight and eight. He just seems to carry that team. How many years can he prove people wrong? It just seems like for the last three or four years, people are like, well, Frank Gore is probably done. And he just keeps proving them wrong. <laughs> he is the ageless, the ageless wonder. Um, you know, I, I like Frank Gore. I like him as a running back. I like him as a guy. He's, you know, he's a good guy. But how a rare got, gem out of the University of Miami. Yeah, one of the few. You have to wonder how much time he's got left. He's on the wrong side of 30. He's, you know, he's been wearing down. The yards per carry have gone down. Um, and, and a lot of what San Francisco does is built off of play action. So they did the right thing in getting Carlos Hyde there. But, you know, the defense is missing some pieces. They've had some problems and some injuries. Navarro Bowman, you got Alden Smith, who's a knucklehead, can't seem to keep it together off the field. Um, you know, and the secondary's had some issues as well. So, you know, that, that team, I when we did our show, I, I had uh, in the season previews and predictions, they're a team I predicted to fall off this year. And that's caught a lot of flack, I think, on Twitter. A lot of people are like, oh, are you predicting the 40? 
49ers to not make the playoffs. You're not allowed to say anything on Twitter that people might agree with, Ben. I don't right. know if you know that. I, I missed the memo. I didn't get the rule. <laughs> it's just that we're putting cover sheets on the TPS reports now. I don't know. But uh, yeah. I had, uh, I you know, I, I, I catch a lot of flack for that, and people, they didn't seem to understand my reasoning. I think they're above 500 team, but barely. If Kaepernick goes down, all bets are off. That's a two-win team at best. Yeah, absolutely right. Um. I don't know. I mean, again, like, I wish we had more to talk about here as far as the Broncos are concerned and, you know, put somebody on blast. But you win a game 34 nothing against, I mean, again, I know it's preseason, but it's still the 49ers. They've still been one of the best teams in the NFC the last three years. Yeah, I, I just don't think that you can overstate that. And even before... You know, they started putting in the backups. It was still 17 nothing. I guess we could talk about all the turnovers the quarterback. No, we can't because they didn't have any. Nope, we could no talk turnovers. about all the turnovers. The <laughs> we could talk about uh, all the missed blocks. That oh, wait. No, nope, nope, there wasn't any of that. I... Maybe maybe a little bit of Zach Dicer talk. How about Dicer looking I... very – Zach Dicer looked twice as good as Blaine Gabbert did. And I've, I've always been a Dicer fan. I was a huge, huge Dicer fan. When he fell to the seventh round of that draft, I was stunned. Uh, because that draft was weak on quarterbacks, and he was just as good as those, some of those guys that got taken to the fourth round, like Tyler Wilson and Matt Barkley. In fact, better, in my opinion. Dysart's always been a slow learner. He's always been a guy that takes a while to come around, but when the lights come on, they come on. And that's what happened in Miami, Ohio. So I, I'm really glad to see it start to come on for him here in Denver. And I think that when Manning retires... Osweiler isn't the shoe in I think that Dysart will challenge him for that job, even though the, the front office wants Osweiler to win it. Well, and that's why they're keeping him around, obviously. And as long as we're talking about Twitter, go follow us. I'm at Mile High Mario. Ben is at Albright NFL. Another thing that I heard, Ben, uh, people are talking about the depth charts and who's going to make the team and who's not. And people that break down the games and they analyze and people in our position that have our level well, not our level of intelligence because you know that's kind of unfathomable for most but you know a, a decent level of education about the game they know you need to keep three running or uh, three quarterbacks on the roster then the casual fan will say wow it's really a shame that we have to waste a roster spot on a third quarterback it's like look First off, you never know what's going to happen in the NFL. You have to have three quarterbacks on your roster. That's just the way that the game works right now. I mean, you you hope and you pray that you will never need It's like a spare tire. You hope that you never need it, but in the rare occasion that you do, you're very glad that you have it. Now, it, it could certainly be a lot worse than Zach Dyser, and it would make more sense to say, oh, I wish we could give that roster spot to somebody else. But honestly... You see what you see from Dysert, and you don't want him on the practice squad because you don't want anyone to snatch him up. And then Manning, too. Yeah. After Manning wins the Super Bowl this year and then comes back and wins the Super Bowl the following year, I guarantee! <laughs> no, that, yeah. Ser seriously, though, I, I, I don't see Manning playing more than two more years, and in those two years, tops, it's going to be Dysert versus Osweiler. And yeah. that's why you keep Dysert around. You don't want to think, what if? Oh, exactly. In in the modern NFL, you can't. I mean, look at look at let's say the Packers last year. You know, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Well, after that, who have you got? You got what? Matt Flynn and Scott Tolzien. At the time, they didn't even have Flynn; they just had Tolzien. And the problem with that is, is that you're one Scott you think Tolzien. Matt Flynn will ever leave Green Bay again? Uh, if I were him, I wouldn't. Holy um, cow! The guy's been on like eight teams that he couldn't win the starting job for. I, it's you know, it's ridiculous. But the, Matt with 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 that situation when 
your starting quarterback goes down, if you only have two quarterbacks, well, you're, you're one shower mat mis- malfunction slip away from having your punter as your starting quarterback. <laughs> one I mean, slip in the shower, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, you know, you, 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 you don't want – it may sound like it's terrible to have to have that third quarterback, but it's actually great. You get a guy you can develop back there who could be trade bait later. Uh, Andy Reid has kind of been the master of that. He did that in Philadelphia, trading guys like A.J. Feely and Kevin Kolb for picks that, you know, those guys went on to do nothing on other teams. So why can't the Broncos become that guy, that team? They develop a third quarterback and trade him away. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, people just need to open their mind a little bit and realize that this is how the game works. And you're not wasting a roster spot, but it all depends on the way that you look at it. And I mean, honestly, in years past, you could make the case where it's like, oh, yeah, I really wish that. You know, we get open up another roster spot because we're so weak at said position, but we need to have three for the quarterback. With this Broncos team, that's not really the case. They're so solid in so many different positions that I know people want to nitpick and say, oh, I wish we were better at middle linebacker and at outside linebacker. But look at some of the teams around the NFL. They would kill for the Broncos starting linebackers, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I, I can't really go through them right now. I mean, you know, you talk about the bottom feeders, teams that don't have very good defenses. It would certainly love to be in this position that the Broncos are in. So I think we as fans kind of let our pride get in the way, and we're never quite satisfied, especially Broncos fans. That's And that's how they are. That's not a knock against them. They're, they just absolutely love their team, and they want the best for them. And when you have an average to above average linebacking core like they have, but it's, you know, inferior compared to other positions in which they are so, so stacked, it's easy to fall in that trap and say, well, we really, really need, you know, a better linebacker. You just got to be patient. Just let it happen. Right. I think that's the thing. I think everybody wants to be the best at every position all the time and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of forget we have the NFL's record setting offense already. You just need a defense that can generate turnovers and put the ball back in that in that hand, put the ball back in the offense's hand. You don't even have to stop everybody all the time. That's the thing I think I always hate is that the measure of a good defense a lot of times is how many how much yardage they give up, which is silly. If you look at some of those great uh, defenses in the '90s, uh, or the, excuse me, in the early 2000s, like um, Tampa Bay's or Baltimore's, they gave up a little more yardage than a couple of the teams. They didn't give up points because they did that bend don't break it's and they would generate break, turnovers. Yep. Yeah. So that's all the that's what we need is we need these guys to be careful, be patient, and generate turnovers. Don't give up points, generate turnovers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Houston Texans are coming to town. Uh, sorry, we're recording this podcast on Monday, August 18th. If you're tuning in, thank you very much. We appreciate it. The Texans are coming into town tomorrow for practice and, you know, run-throughs. And then, of course, the game is on Saturday. This just seems like kind of a, a bizarre thing to me. Like, if you're playing a team in preseason, why do you need to practice with them? I mean, is 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 there something that I'm not getting about this? Sometimes late in the preseason, you've been given the same looks to people over and over again, right? So it helps to bring in another team to practice with you because you get different looks. You get a different look on offense, different look on defense, and it gives guys a chance to you know to see which guys have memorized what's going on and which guys are actually out there making plays and reading it and being instinctive. So uh, you know it can be good. It can also be a bad thing because they tend to get a little chippy, uh, and you tend to get a couple brawls here and there, and you know one player usually gets hurt from some. Somebody playing too hard, but overall, I think it's beneficial. All right, that's fair enough. And I guess they picked a good team in which to do it against. I mean, certainly the Houston Texans are really no threat to 
it would be good for the offense. Playing against Jadavian Clowney, J.J. Watt, guys like that, it would be good for the offense. The defense is going to look like a monster because guys throwing the football are going to be named uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tom Savage, and the best quarterback on that roster is currently the third stringer, Case Keenum. So, I uh, love Case Keenum yeah, last it's, year. It's, uh, it's, it's bad there in Houston. They are going to be in line for the number one overall pick again, I believe. Yeah, so they're probably going to go after either Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston. Possibly, or Chucky Keaton or Bryce Petty, too. And that is why you're the draft expert and not me. It looks like I still have some homework to do on that front. <laughs> uh, ben, before we get out of here, anything you want to wrap it up with? Uh, Broncos preseason. I think this is our fourth episode. I think so. I think so. Not uh, not particularly. I just want to tell pa- fans to be patient. Tell fans to be patient and enjoy what you have while you have it. Let's not be upset about the negatives. Let's enjoy the positives because we have so much positive right now. Yeah, there are so many fans that just hope and pray and go to bed at night and get down on their knees and wish that they had a team like the Denver Broncos to root for. I think you absolutely nailed it on the head. Trust the system. Trust that they're going to get it done. Forget completely about last year. I actually made the mistake of going on YouTube today and watching Broncos videos. I'm sorry for you. Yeah, I really shouldn't have clicked the Super Bowl one. I thought that you know enough time had passed and I was ready. I will never be ready. <laughs> I wasn't ready. No. Very crude Kevin Hart impression there for you. You're welcome. Mario Vitanzi, Benjamin Albright. Again, our show is called Level Up. Follow us on Twitter at Mile High Mario and at Albright NFL. Hear any of our shows in their entirety at uh, SoundCloud.com slash Level Up Show. You can listen to our show live Saturdays, noon to two on MileHighSports.com. You can get the Mile High Sports app for your smartphone or tablet. And if you're right here in Denver, perfect. Tune in to 94.1 here in Denver. Or if you're in Boulder, 96.9. Any way that you want to listen, we have got you covered. On your smartphone, on the radio, on the internet. Even when you want to go back and listen to previous shows because we're just that damn good. We got you covered. I want to do a mic drop right now that they won't know. Mario Vitanzi, Benjamin Albright. We are the hosts of Level Up. This has been your exclusive Denver Broncos podcast. You want to try uh, try a mic drop? We out. <laughs>